0: Welcome into to episode six of Real Estate Combos with Jake and Steve. My name is Jake Boucher. And I'm Steve Boucher. And we are going to talk about when is the best time to sell your home, because that's a frequently asked question on Google, and a lot of people have questions about that. And there's really no right answer to that question. I mean, I guess it really depends on the situation you're in and all that fun stuff. So again, we're going to be following the same type of format that we've been following the last four or five episodes. I'll be asking questions for those of you who are new. I'll be asking questions to him. He'll be providing answers to make it flow nice and easy and you know, easy to understand for you guys. So, uh, first question we're going to dive into is, is, if you're a seller, is there a good time to sell?
1: Well, again, that all goes back to what is your situation? If you have to sell for some reason, being foreclosed on, illness, loss of income, loss of job, uh, relocation... Um, any of a million different reasons and you need to sell, well, then any time is a good time to sell. You just need to price it and market it according to the market you're in. Now, I have been in real estate since 1985 and I have seen all extremes of every market. I have seen from all aspects of every market, I have seen the extremes where deep dark recessions, almost depressions, the great financial crisis of 2008, and you couldn't give away a house. So is that a good time to sell? Not necessarily. And right now we're in the complete opposite of that, where the market for sellers is so extreme, you're getting 10, 20, 30 offers on a property, 20, 30, 50, $70,000 over asking price. So right now is the complete opposite of that. And you can just basically wake up in the morning, throw any house on the market, and you're gonna get offers pretty much overnight. See, but traditionally, traditionally a normal market, normal inventory, normal buyer demand, it can take up to 60 to 90 days to sell. Under those circumstances, back in history, traditionally, a spring market is a better market to sell, and a fall market is a better time to sell. Kids are settled in school or out of school and transitioning to the fall. So you could pick your school systems according to that, um, which, again, that goes back to tradition. Um, But we haven't had
0: tradition since 2008. So... Take that with a grain of salt. So did 2008 change the market forever, you think, the housing market?
1: I believe 2008 has changed the market forever, personally, my opinion. Uh, It had so many different variables. It had big banks and big mortgage lenders completely getting out of the business. You had major countrywide bank. You had major players going bankrupt and going out of business because of the bad loans that they held. Uh, it got too creative, they were taking on too many subpar C credit, D credit buyers, that once the foreclosures started, they, had, they didn't have enough capital to support that in the system. Uh, you had the mortgage-backed securities and the derivatives, and that's a whole different episode um, that the bankers and the mortgage investors were leveraging out into the marketplace. And once that collapse started, to this day, we still don't have major big players in the mortgage industry. It has kind of been funneled in with smaller, leaner, creative finance people, mortgage backers, mortgage investors. Uh, Equity funds are now mortgage backers, whereas before they just bought the loans. Now they're actually actively in the field. Um, 2008 changed where instead of putting your money into the stock market, people started buying real estate. Single families, multi families didn't matter. Commercial, they were buying these things left and right, and that was their portfolio for income. So that was very different than prior. You now have real estate investment trust on the stock market. That's a major part of a lot of people's portfolios. Uh, REITs, yes. And you, you know, so 2008 changed all of that for the most part, and it's a lot heavier private involvement. Equity fund involvement, um, you know, all of these backdoor lenders, private money um, that we never had before. There's more flippers. There's more investors that are buying cash and hold. A lot of wholesalers. Um, wholesalers. We've talked about them before. That's a whole industry that's that's in and of itself. Private mortgage lenders where you can buy fix and flip with very little out of pocket. That never existed before, uh, with a lot less paperwork and paper trail. Um, So yeah, that has all come because of the 2008 crisis and as of today, 2021 coming out of COVID, it is red hot. There is an army of these type of people and stuff out there. So I, I see the market being different from here on. If we fall into a recession and there's a ton of REOs that come on the market. I could understand and see that there is a plethora of investors that are gonna have tons of cash, tons of leverage, and they're basically gonna sit and they're gonna wait until the market drops to where they think it's the bottom, and then there's gonna be an army just buying these places up. So if you're a first-time buyer, it's gonna get hotter and harder going forward to buy property, because they're just not gonna be available. Doing it through the traditional banking system or having an investor say, here's cash, I can buy it in two weeks, it's going to be very hard to compete with all that. So it's going to be interesting going forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting watching this all play out over the next next year or so, especially it, it, when, like last episode, we mentioned moratoriums will be coming to an end soon, the government moratoriums. The so it's going to be, we'll be, we're going to be keeping an eye on the news and the, and the, like the, the new things that come out. But, I mean, I mean, I know this episode is about um, selling your home, but people who are selling their home also need to find another place to live. they are going to be buyers potentially as well. So, is there a better time to buy as a buyer?
1: Again, traditionally, if you want to buy, traditionally, you want to buy when it's slow. So, if there is a property on the market in the summertime, if there's a property on the market come Thanksgiving or Christmas time, especially here in New England when you have three feet of snow on the ground, The market slows down. Traditionally, typically, buyers don't want to be trudging around the house in their winter boots and three feet of snow to look at the exterior of the house. On the flip of that, sellers don't want people traipsing through their house with wet boots and snow and children and, you know, wet feet and all that fun stuff going through the house at Christmas time. You might have presents already purchased and trees up or whatever the case may be. A lot of sellers just get turned off. They don't want people in their home during that kind of time. So if you're a buyer and there are properties on the market during those cycles, that usually means the seller's pretty serious. He needs to sell it for some reason. So if you're a buyer, those are the markets you actually want to be looking in because you know it's a serious seller. On the flip of that, if they're not too serious and they can wait for their timing, well, then the how serious is the seller? You know what I mean?
0: So I was curious about this personally. Uh, is there a level of caution that people need to take? Uh, I guess from the seller's perspective, since this episode is about the sellers, is there a level of caution that, that they need to take, especially right now with, the, with this market?
1: Well, with the market, if you're selling right now and you're getting 20 bids all over asking price, picking the right buyer means, means a lot. Are they leveraging financing? Again, is it a cash buyer?
0: You do a background check so the yeah, agent does.
1: Well, well, even that, you don't. You don't have that Credit, luxury and you can't that. do that as an agent for the buyer side. Um, so the offer presented is all you have to work with. And if there's a pre-qualification letter from a lender, that's all you have to work with. Now, the agent can call that person, but again, there's a level of trust and there's a level of non-disclosure because of all of the laws. So, what you're going to be told is, yeah, they qualified for this amount at this house, blah, blah. Do they have a house to sell? Are they moving from a different location? Do they have a job transfer? How solid is all of that? Um, Is there a level of caution that the deal could fall apart? So, you're going to move on and try to relocate and find a house based on what the selling price is you're gonna buy exponentially, most likely even or higher. What if that deal falls apart for some reason? That deal wasn't, that buyer wasn't the cleanest that you could have picked. And now the market is transitioning, so that high offer that you accepted is now 20 to 30,000 under, because the market's shifting. Yes. But you're buying, you're on the hook contractually over here, it makes, you know, so is there a level of potential risk? Absolutely. If you have the luxury where you can um, rent for six months or a year, get to know the market where you're going, again, the risk, our value is going to keep climbing. So six months from now, you're paying 50,000 more or is the risk? Six months from now, it's starting to cool off and values are normalizing and you can get it for a real price mm-hmm. instead of a silly price. So what are the risk? That's so you
0: gotta saying. weigh the risk yourself. You gotta see if that's in Which, your best interest. What and, is your situation? And go from there. And right now, especially appraising, like he's also an appraiser for those of you who, who don't know and who are new. He's an appraiser and he's the busiest he's ever been. And a lot of these homes are getting sold for over asking price. Well. Um, so what if a property doesn't appraise because that, that happens a lot right now.
1: It's happening a lot right now. And again, the way the appraisal industry is structured and this is all created and backed and secured by the federal government, the, the banking industry as a whole um, from the national federal level wants certain checks and balances on every appraisal because most of the loans, I would say 80% of the loans at some point are sold to investors and the investors are insured or backed by the federal government. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, and so on. The secondary mortgage market has protections that'll secure the loans if they default in the future, um, if they're in their program. 80% of the loans are in one of those programs. So the federal government has a check and balance of systems created for appraisers. And a lot of that basically for this discussion boils down to appraisers use historic value. I have to report what has sold that is similar in the same area. Well, with what's going on today, spring, almost summer 2021, Values are coming in 30, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 higher than asking price. That's crazy. So if the real estate industry is saying put it on at 300,000 and you're getting an offer at 380,000 and all the sales are 300, 310, 320, How can an appraiser using history, using closed sales in the same market, justify the 380? But we have 20 offers, but this is a unique market. We hear all the arguments, but the system is not built for that. And the second we try to justify a sale at 380, the lender that's taking the risk, the investor that's taking the risk, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA that's taking the risk of insuring it down the road, are all saying, oh my God, is this house really worth going over that value if it can't be proven? Proof. That's what an appraiser does. Agents can say it's a red hot market, I got 20 offers, and the, the house is worth what a buyer is willing to pay. No, wrong answer. A house is not worth what a buyer is willing to pay. If that buyer needs financing, it's what the financing will allow, which is where the appraisers come in. If you're sitting on 380,000 cash, you don't need a bank, well then it's worth whatever you're willing to pay. I agree with that aspect. But the second you say I need financing, it goes into our game. It goes into this game, and a lot of deals are
0: dying because of it. That's a very in-depth answer. So rewind that again if you didn't understand that. And last but not least, we'll finish up with this question: uh, Should you sell as is or with potential defects to the property? Because right now, so many people are just waving inspections and just they don't they just want the house. Correct. So what do you think? What do you, what's your answer to that question?
1: Again, it all depends on your circumstance as a seller. It all depends on your circumstance as a buyer. Selling it with defects that could be anywhere from a failed septic system, that could be anywhere from, it's just not inspected. In Massachusetts, we have what's called Title V inspections, and that means during a transfer, it has to be certified that it meets current standards and requirements. Uh, for a septic system. You can sell without doing the testing. You can say it's the buyer's responsibility. And in this market, buyers are saying, I just need a place to live. I want a house.
0: Mm -hmm. They're desperate.
1: They're, They're desperate, they're motivated, they're crazy in a lot of cases. I don't know if I would ever be that crazy to want a house to overbid and take it as is with potential defects. That could cost so much down the road, but that's just me being in the business forever. Everything's relative right now in this market. Sellers can do what they want. They can try anything. You can try overbidding, overpricing. You can try here, it's as is. Mold in the attic, cracked foundations, water in the basement. I mean, there's a million things that you could be buying a defect of if you're a buyer. Waving home inspections, waiving the appraisal. Problem is that's still subject to financing. The appraisal doesn't go away. (laughs) Uh, the lender would still care. Defects, a regular market, it's gonna hurt you, it's gonna cost you. Um, if, if you try to do this in a regular market, zip things failed, buyer takes it as is. Well, a buyer in a regular market has time to look at other properties, has time to shop around, has time to negotiate, and it's gonna come off the sale price of that house. Or a cash buyer is gonna come in and say, no contingencies, but here's my offer, well below what you want or think you want. So, everything's relative, depends on the market, depends on the property, depends on the defect.
0: Short answer. So moral of the story, do what you want to do personally. I mean, it really comes down to your preferences. With that said, we're going to wrap up this episode. If you're
1: in Central Mass and any of these questions, give yeah, us
0: a give call. Yeah, give us a call. We'd love to answer them in more depth if you want To your specific situation. Yeah, to your specific yes. situation because everybody's different. Everybody has different situations. Uh, So thank you for watching and listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, Like this video on YouTube. uh, It really helps with the the algorithm and giving us more uh, better ranking. Uh, Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Um, Subscribe to the YouTube channel and turn on post notifications because we're posting an episode every single Tuesday. We're going to be try to be super consistent uh, and build build this uh, podcast up. So, again, thank you, and we will see you one,
1: on episode one interruption. We're going to be building out some free giveaways going two, forward yes. through the summer. So um, be sellers looking for those. The checklist
0: two. is in the works right now, what, what sellers should do. We kind of dived and dove in a little bit into that. But we'll go into more depth in that checklist. Episode 7, we will be discussing uh, what are the steps to selling a home. A lot of people have questions about that. We'll dive into that as well. So thank you again, and we'll see you on Episode 7. Thank you.